This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Can't get enough of the fan in the morning? Shown up. Because this is nothing like that. Working. Alan Jerry are here with stories they'd never get to cover on the morning show. Very sexy robot. Hey, look at that pig. Shenanigans. Naked yoga. My mother had a bad experience with these ghosts. Let's hump the fence. It's Alan Jerry's post-game podcast. All right, we do a podcast for you on this glorious Wednesday. What's up, Al? Jerry, you are not feeling well, so we will try to keep this short. I've been better. You have been better. You got, you're got. you getting worse as the day goes on. Uh, a lot of people go, this could be allergies. I mean, I guess I suppose it could be allergies, right? The change of season. Uh, we're, we're... It's possible. Flowers are blooming all over the place. Oh, they're blooming, Jerry. It's possible. I don't know. I, re- I But I felt fine going to dinner last night for my son's birthday at 6 o'clock. Fine. Lay down, I felt great. I woke up at midnight and my head felt like it exploded. Yeah. And then fell asleep, you know, and then I slept like until another few hours, but kind of up, kind of not up one of those nights. But if you go back to the beginning of the show at six o'clock, seven yeah. o'clock, you do not sound like this. No, I felt, I, I even, well, I did take the pills. I did take the, the uh, Dayquil. Mm-hmm. So that helped, but it wore off quickly. Yeah. <clears throat> so here we are. All right, Jerry. Uh, Is so, that good? We done? Uh, no, no, I we can't uh, <laughs> can't call it a day on that. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, we were talking a lot about, and especially the last hour of the the four hour show about uh, you know Geo's going out to this Morgan Wallen concert. Morgan Wallen, yeah, Morgan Wallen concert out at MetLife Stadium. Yep. From Long Island, what a disaster MetLife Stadium is. You know, I got tickets to see Bruce there coming up in August, and it is a nightmare. And I do think about all the things that I don't do in life because of the hassle. Yeah, it's inconvenient. And that's such a a balance one must make in life Yeah, because I'm also someone who's not fully enjoying life because I'm not doing all the things I really would want to do. I agree with that too. Because it's not worth the hassle to me. Yeah, I know. It's where we live, and that's part of it. Yeah, but how do we... How do we change that? How do we change the, the uh, think, mind thinking? I don't think you change your mind. I think your mind is made up the yeah. way it is. You're wired the way you are. I really do believe it's it's living somewhere else. It's going other places. It's saying, yeah. I'm not going to go to MetLife Stadium anymore. So if I want to go see Morgan Wallen, I'm going to go see him in Philly because the parking is plentiful or getting in and out is easier or I'm going to take a trip to Indiana. Because that's it's easier to fly there to go to a concert than right. it is to go to MetLife Stadium for a yeah. while. It sounds crazy, but it's true. Yeah, you know, I, know. I go to we go to a couple of games a year. As you know, I get to do these Cowboy games. I can't get over how it's it's not easy getting out of there. I'm not going to say it is. Right, it's easier. I'll tell you that much than getting out of MetLife Stadium. Much easier, and that's ninety thousand people. All these places are easier. There's more roads. There's more land. It's just, I don't know, man. And I don't know if it's uh, because the hours we work uh, and I've gotten so uh, regimented in my life because of the hours. But I, listen, I, I, <clears throat> I used to go to MetLife Stadium or Giant Stadium for concerts all the time. I wouldn't think twice about it. Yeah. But did you drive? No, I always had friends always drove. Yeah. I had a, two different friends, both my friends Steve, actually all my friends, Steve, John, and Paul. All three of those guys used to love to drive. And I would go anywhere and do anything if I, wasn't, if I wasn't driving. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a big part of it. It's Who like, wants yeah. to be dealing with the track? It's one thing to sit in it. It's another thing to be driving in it. In fact, I remember in 2012, this is way back now, Jerry, in 2012, Bruce Springsteen was playing at MetLife yep. on my birthday. Okay. And I called my friend Paul, and I said, Paul, it's my birthday. I would like to go see Bruce Springsteen. 
I will buy your ticket if you drive. He goes, yeah, cool. Done. I had the best time. And you didn't think twice about it. I didn't think twice about it. But now when you're the driver. Yeah. And also. It sucks. And trying to be responsible and not drinking and driving and doing the right thing. That gets, it's hard. It's, that's why I stayed over Friday night in Jersey City. I could have taken an Uber home. I could have. In retrospect, sure. probably should have taken an Uber home. That seemed easier. That seemed more difficult to me. I don't know why. And I just thought it was easier just to go back to the hotel and, you know, whatever. Um, but even that, like, I could have driven back and forth. I'm like, no. I know I'm going to have drinks. I'm not driving, you know. So it's doing the responsible thing, too. And these arenas, like I said, when I took Matthew to the Stars game, we literally walked about a mile away from the arena just so we could get the Uber because there were so many cars. Yeah. You know, but that's a tight arena. You know, it didn't, but it's it's hard. It's very difficult. It is, yeah. I just, I'm trying to find that balance and I'm not doing a great job of it, of doing things because everything good has an inconvenience to it. Yes, in a lot of cases. But it used to be. I'm not going to go to this show because the tickets are $400. Right. Now it's like the tickets are $600 and it's a pain in the ass to get in and out of. Correct. So now I got two two big things that are blocking me. Yeah. I'll give you a, another example we talk about all the time is Yankee Stadium. I would love to go to more Yankee games. It's Yankee Stadium for Christ's sake. Iconic. Know? But it's uh, no thanks. It's not just it's the bridge. It's then when you finally get over the bridge, it's the Harlem River or the Major Deegan, just brutal roads. Then you finally get off it. You don't know where you're going. Then you finally find somewhere to park. Can you get in? How much is it? Then it's a parking garage. How do you get out? Like, oh. Where are the, for you in this area that we're in, what are the best venues to go, all things considered? Where are you parking? Pain in the ass to get there. And good place to see something. Well, where Rutgers plays is fantastic. Um, but if you're talking on the professional level. Yeah, professional level. To me, that's easy. It's The Rock. The Rock. I, I find The Rock a piece of cake. It's Jersey, not mm-hmm. crossing bridges and tunnels. Um, I do like going to Philly. I've always told you that. I love going to Philly. Um, the Citizens Bank ballpark is easy. The arena is easy. So I would say The Rock first, Philly second. Um Wyoming third, then New Wyoming. York. Wyoming, yep. That would I, yeah, be. Yeah, I just, I I mean, you could say the garden with the train, but then you run into the parking situation there. It's just, there's something. When it, when it comes to New York, it's always something. Yes. And I've had some good experience. I told you the beacon for Seinfeld couldn't have gone better. Oh, you had a very smooth experience. Yeah, Rutgers, Michigan State at the garden couldn't have gone better. But it, there is anxiety to it. Yeah, you're right. I like the smaller venues now because of that. Like in Red Bank and yeah, for at sure. Stone Pony and Asbury Park. Yeah, agreed. Just, just uh, smaller crowds and that whole thing. You're, you I also don't want to. I don't want to drive anywhere either. Me neither. That's the other part of it. Hmm. Uh, a little controversy in the town next to me, Jerry. I want to see what you think of this. So, uh, Bradley Beach, just north of Bradley Beach is Ocean Grove. Okay, and just north of that is Asbury Park. Right. So Ocean Grove, the town right next to me, they're, they're opening up this weekend a large pier that they rebuilt. Okay. So there was a pier there that was uh, that was um, broken down thanks to Hurricane Sandy many okay. years ago. And a, a, a church group purchased who owns the land somehow over there. Ocean Grove is a very religious town. They were one of these towns that uh, for many years you couldn't. It's a dry town, first of all. There's no, they don't sell Didn't alcohol anywhere. Okay. And you weren't even, years ago, you weren't even allowed to drive your car on Sundays in the town. You're kidding. No. Wow. Yeah. They would close off the town to cars. No cars. <clears throat> so it's a unique town. But they are the ones that paid to have this pier built that goes into the ocean. And it's in the shape of a cross. Oh, wow. On purpose to be a religious yeah, cross. Sure, sure. And some people are against that. So, what do you want to do about it? Knock it down? I don't think they want to knock it down because, and, the, and, the, and the, the church people said this is a, a um, peer for everyone. You don't have to be religious to walk. We're not asking you to be religious to be, to be a, but some people are upset that it isn't in the shape of what a cross. What does that mean, upset? 
What does that mean? That I'm means sure. some person yelled about it on social media? Who cares? Yeah. Are they picketing in front of it, not letting you walk on the boardwalk? They better not, Jerry. Do well, not pick it in front of that. What I mean, like, what type of con did they bring it up to the town council? Like, well, I guess the town is partially upset because uh, they they said they didn't get the proper permits, but then the uh, people who built it said it's over the ocean. You don't own the ocean. We don't need permits. So it's who a whole owned, thing. So they just decided to put it out there, or they own the they don't own the land. I'm One so of the confused. yeah, I'm confused a little. Too, and I read a couple of articles about it. They go, uh, the, the there's this church group that owns the land, but I didn't know you could own the beach. I wouldn't either. And if they do own the land or the beach that's in the town that's now saying you didn't get the right permit, right. you can't then say you don't own it because it's the ocean, then you don't own it either. Yeah. That doesn't work, but it doesn't work that way. Yeah. I have no idea. All I hope is that if, I, if it is open, that it's safe to walk on because if no one was getting permits... I'm a little confused. That part of it is a little concerned. Yeah. But in terms of other people complaining, zip it. I don't know. Actually, the the shape of a cross for a pier is pretty cool because you could go all the way yeah. out one way yep. and then out on the two sides. Yeah. Actually, it's kind of neat. I watched them build this the whole winter, which was really weird to see because it was like, you know, storming and freezing. You should have taken a picture every day. Yeah, I should have. Because for a while there in that... When it's cold and rainy and no one's out, my dog likes to walk the boardwalk. Mm-hmm. So we would walk the boardwalk into Ocean Grove, and I'd see this. I was like, "What are they building?" Should have taken this the thing? same picture yeah, every day. That I know I could cool have had something. You blew it. You blew it. So I'll probably go visit that this weekend, as long as it doesn't, you know, collapse. You know what I'm saying, Jay? Well, look at it this way: some people will be on it already. You'll know. <laughs> That's true. That, maybe I'll wait the second You're day. You're not going to be the first person. I'll go Sunday. Perfect. Across. Uh, listen. A deck made out of the shape of a cross can't collapse on a Sunday. That's a good point as well. I guess it could. But let's hope not. Uh, also, this is something I've just noticed uh, having been down the shore for three years now living there and seeing Gina's town as well. There are so many, many large homes. That no one's in? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That bugs the crap out of me. Yeah. I My, fa- uh, my family out in California... <clears throat> I don't want to say what town it is, but they own, not them, one of their best friends owns a home right on the ocean. It is gorgeous. Eight bedrooms, a gourmet kitchen, living room with the slider right out looking at the ocean. Yeah. You're, they have their little area, which you would call a backyard, but it's sand. And then there's the, the path and then the beach. Like it's It's on the ocean. There's no road in front of it. They live in Sacramento. They use it three weeks a year. Yeah. Now, they rent it out. They do rent it out. But from Memorial Day or Labor Day to Memorial Day, it's vacant. There are so many. in More, more in Spring Lake <clears throat> sure. on Ocean Avenue. Yeah, yeah. These enormous mansions. Yeah. And I never no. see a soul out there. So I don't, like you say they some of them get rented out. There are some... There are homes in Bradley Beach that I walk my dog by for three years. I've never yeah. seen. Sadly, a I believe that. Yeah, I know it's crazy. You're in a weird area though because you're in a shore town that's close enough to New York to where you could still live there. Like if you if yeah. you saw the same thing, if you decided to really become a hermit, more so than you are now. Who tell me more? Where is this? And you move to Beach Haven. Where is Beach Haven? Long Long Beach Island. Oh, okay. He's at sixty three through Manahawkin over the causeway. Oh yeah. Right, be there during the off season. You could live there in the off the off season. There's probably, I would say, someone in every fifteen houses in the way. I mean, there's no one there. Basically, there's one restaurant that stays open, a Seven Eleven, and a supermarket. Like that's it. And the lights are all blinking because yes. there's no cars. <laughs> I do but, love a town with just blinking lights. But when you get to May, now all of a sudden people start filling up the houses. They're renting, and the place is alive. And is, but even there, you're going to see houses that are vacant. Yeah, that's a but that's a complete vacation island if you want to call it an island. It is, but it's not like a tropical island like the Caribbean. But that makes sense to me because no one's really commuting from New York City or Philadelphia from Long Beach Island. That is yeah. vacation homes, investment properties. Where you are is sort of like that, but you could also go back and forth to Manhattan, no problem. Yeah, like I come into Manhattan every day. So that's a strange one. Yeah, like it doesn't shock me that people would buy a home. In Bradley Beach or Asbury for a rental property. That makes sense. And no one's going to want it in the winter. Okay, fine. 
but it's also it could be. Yeah, and it just seems like such a waste of yeah. just. You know, I also understand you have a you get yourself a big house. You don't want to rent it to any schlub. Correct. So then it just sits empty, doing nothing. Yeah, it can. Yeah. And I know that if you hang on to it for ten years and do absolutely nothing with it, you'll get make a huge profit if you sell it. Good business. But it's taking up space when space is at a premium. Especially where we live. Yeah. No doubt. No doubt. That's, it's that's funny you say that. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know the house I'm talking about. I think they rented for ten thousand dollars a week in the summer, and it's not rented every week. Yeah, I mean mostly, but there are open weeks because you know, while there are people with a lot of money, ten thousand dollars for a week is a lot of money. Yes. So you're you're renting. It might even be more than that. It might be twelve. It might be twelve five uh, a week. Yeah, I see. I see places being advertised for like uh, the month of July, forty thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah, right. Forty thousand yeah. dollars. Yeah. But while some people do have that kind of money, your your client base is much smaller yeah. than the people that are trying to sell the, rent the house for $2,000 for the week. Right. That's everybody. Right. Just like when I see like uh, Justin Timberlake is selling his uh, his home in uh, Malibu for $24 million. Like, well, how many, Not many people can even go look at that house? Not a lot. And you would need credentials to even go take a look. Yes. They're not just going to say, oh, it's a Sunday. What do you want to do, hon? I don't know. Let's go look at open houses. <laughs> we'll go into the hills in Hollywood. Not going to work. Yeah, they don't let you do that. No, they want they want to see pay stubs or yes. bank statements. Yes, they do. Before they waste their time. Yeah. I don't know. It just it bothers me sometimes. And I don't mean to like be all do-gooder in the world, but it's weird to see mansions sitting empty and then homeless people I agree. a town over. Is, I completely agree. Not with that you. you, I would want homeless people living in my mansion if no, I had I a mansion. It just but seems it just like a waste. I know. Seems strange. I I know, but that you know what you could say that about anything. Restaurants that throw food away at the end of the night. Yes, we throw food away at the end of it, and you got people that are starving all over the place. It's like what? Huh? The other thing I think about with the food, not just the people starving, but when you <clears throat> start understanding how food goes from. The animal, yeah, sure, to the table, and what that process is, and then to just be like, ah, eh, throw it out, throw it out. Mm-hmm. We raised that chicken; it was stuffed in with these other chickens. We were plucking feathers yeah. off this for you. And then you it need- gets cooked, gets cut up first, then prepared, put in the store, packaged, brought home, prepared, cooked, plate, garbage. Yep, I, I'm with you. I know it's terrible. Yeah, really is. And he says anything with vegetables. I mean, yes. all the, everything that goes into all the food prep, right? From growth to your plate, right? Well, I could think of the farmers and the farming to get the vegetables. hundred yeah. percent to go to your plate, and then no question, it's sad. It really is. It's sad. Yeah, we have, fr- have friends that we were over probably about a month ago or so, maybe not even a month, and tons of like appetizer appetizer food on the table, and then her husband started cooking. And she goes, all right, we done with all this stuff? And my wife's like, no, you could probably leave it out. Goes, At least leave that out. Next thing you know, she got this black garbage bag. She was throwing all the trash. Yeah. And my wife's like, why don't you put the pretzels back in the bag? Now nah, buy another bag. Yeah. Oh, okay. Like garbage? Like, wow. Yeah. And it's, oh, it's off. What do restaurants do with their food? As Some restaurants, old? I do believe, bring, they do do well. Bring to like homeless shelters? I th- some do. Yeah, I think you're right. I think a lot of it goes in the garbage, though. I really do. Yeah. I, I don't know. You'd have to talk to someone that's in that business. I don't know. But I don't think it's all going to people that are that are hungry. Yeah. No fault of theirs, but... Right. Well. And certainly the stuff that gets returned or not unfinished, that's going in the garbage. Yes. That you can't... You can't give a half yeah, meat burger to someone. But it's a waste. It is it a waste. It could feed someone. Yes. All right, Jerry, let's do the warm-up program. I did that with Peter Schwartz today. I got to be honest It was awkward. It is awkward. If you like things awkward, by all means, listen. Moment of the day. If you don't like things awkward, you might want to skip this one. Right. Uh, You'll be back tomorrow, hopefully, Jerry. That's the plan. uh, Doing the warm-up show and in your update spot with Boomer returning. You got it. All right, Jerry, we'll see you tomorrow then. So. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What up, y'all? It's your boy Danny Green, three-time NBA champ. You either rooted for me or rooted against me. Join myself and my co-host Harrison Sanford on the Inside the Green Room podcast. It's a podcast that brings you never-before-told tales from the locker room to candid interviews with basketball legends to breakdowns of what's happening in the NBA right now. Whether you're a diehard fan or casual about your hoops, this podcast brings you the game like never before. Follow Inside the Green Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. The fan is better when you're part of it. Call the fan at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com. Good morning, campers. Alan Jerry. Don't worry, it's only an hour long, and most days it doesn't suck. Oh, good morning there, and happy Thursday. My name is Al Dukes. I am your hostess with the mostest this morning. I'm joined by uh, Peter, or with Peter Schwartz this morning. Hi, Peter. Good morning, Al. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. Uh, Jerry Recco is normally in that seat. He will be uh, filling in for Boomer again today. Uh, with Geo, Boomer will be back tomorrow, Thursday, and then Boomer's out again on Friday. Oh, easy week for him. It's an easy week. He pops in twice, makes it seem like he worked the week. That's not a bad move. <laughs> Although kind of weird. You're off two days. You're back. You're gone. And why did he it's just take confused. Thursday off, too? I don't know. Some people like to show their face around here. Then it seems like they're not gone so long. You got I got to tell you, you disappear for a little while. People forget you. I, I, you know, out of sight, out of mind. Out of sight, out of mind. Mm-hmm. You got to remember that. I heard a great story by John Stewart one time. He was a guest on the Howard Stern Show, and he was talking about how quickly you can fade out of people's, you know, consciousness. Oh, yeah. How everyone, when Oprah was leaving, was so upset. How well, we, we're going to miss Oprah. What is that? He said, like, a minute later, everyone was into Ellen, and they forgot completely about Oprah, started their own network. Yesterday's news. Put her own show on, no one cared anymore. Yep. If you're not here, that's the great thing about radio. You're here every day. You know what I mean? There's no time to go away for us to forget you. Somebody's got to turn the microphone on. Yeah, like if you're a TV show, you go away for a while, you're making uh, your new season. By the time you get back, we might not be interested anymore. Put out a great album, you go on tour, you need to take a rest, put out a second album. We're not interested when it's out a year later. Radio, you're here every single day. There's something new to talk about. Well, that I don't know about. There's not anything new to talk about. There's generally something new to talk about. You can make something up. We really take a topic and milk, milk it, milk it, milk it. You know what I'm saying, Peter? By the way, yesterday the Yankees did pretty good. They beat the, uh, I'm just going to call them Cleveland, 11-2. to Uh, Garrett Cole did his normal thing, his Tanaka thing, which is uh, give up a couple runs early. Yeah. Put everybody in nervous mode. But the Yankees came right back. And it was a lot of dinking and dunking and pinking and bringing and bringing and You know what I mean, Peter? It wasn't a long home run ball. And then one big blast by Franchi Cordero. Franchi How about Cordero. him? How about the Yankees picking him up off the scrap heap? Where did he come from? He got released by the Orioles. Oh, was that right? He wasn't good enough to be on the Orioles? No, they he stink. was not good enough to be on the Orioles. And the Yankees pick him up. And he's leading the Yankees in RBI. I did see that. Yeah. He had a three-run home run last night. And uh, that'll do it for you. That'll uh, up your RBI game. And, you know, Cole obviously settled down after that first he inning. Did. Could I have suppose. been worse. Could have been worse after the two runs. The other, you know, the, I almost said Indians. The Guardians Don't had. Don't say Indians. That's offensive. <laughs> John the Sterling. Guardians. John Sterling says it multiple times of broadcast. Yeah. I think at some point we just go, you know what? We're never going to get over it. Let's bring them back. They're the Indians again. Come on. We're not getting, we're not moving past that. Just call them the Cleveland baseball team, the Washington football team. Everyone's just the football. It's just so no one's offended by. Do anything. you still call the Colts the Baltimore Colts? 
No, but I don't consider the Ravens a real football team. Is that right? Yeah. I don't consider any of the... If you became an expansion team after the Buccaneers and Seahawks, they're the final ones I let in. (laughs) After that... You will always be an expansion team to me. So you are here playing the role of Roger Goodell. You are not. Yeah. You are not authorizing any of the other teams. But well, I don't even count them. Like I'm not going to watch a Panthers game or a Jaguars game or a Ravens game or a Titans game. I'm not. I'm not interested. So you're all expansion teams for Gazy. But the Ravens have two Super Bowl wins. Yeah, so you I don't would even wipe care. them off the wipe Lombardi off. Trophy. They're off. I know. Like even the Panthers have uh, made it there. I'm not interested. Well, they've made it. They didn't win. It's, uh, <laughs> It's but the uh, Ravens actually aren't an expansion team. I, they are, though, to me. As soon as when you change your – if as soon as your logo and team name gets changed, you're an expansion team. So the Browns count even though they are an expansion right. team. Right. The Browns I allow because they still look like the Browns I remember as a kid. Well, the Ravens left the franchise history in Cleveland. Yeah. That was the deal with the NFL. They got to move to Baltimore. And then when Cleveland got the new team, they took yeah. the history – yeah, I'm I'm old school, Peter. If you weren't around in the 1980s, you don't exist as a <laughs> and team. The, the Titans also not an expansion team. But if you were to steal the Oilers, then you're not an expansion team. But when you change your name to something stupid, like the Cleveland Indians did, you're no longer a real so team. So what about the Raiders then? Because the Raiders have been they're Oakland, fine. Los Angeles, and now Las Vegas. Yeah, they're, they're the classic Raiders. They didn't change their, their logo. They didn't change their helmets. They didn't change their look or their name. They're the Raiders. They'll always be the Raiders, Peter. There's always <laughs> going to be the Raiders. The Colts, I still accept the Colts because they're the Indianapolis Colts. They didn't change the logo. They only changed cities. I'm okay with that. That you're okay with? Yeah. You're okay with a team leaving their fan base in the dust? I am. And still, as that as you you'll still the authorize? As long keep as you the logo. <laughs> keep the logo. I okay. am good to go. By the way, the Titans are wearing those Euler uniforms uh, at least once this year. Is that right? Uh, yeah. That, so that's nice. They that, should never have, that they should never have changed. Of course. Uh, I'm actually considering a road trip to go to that game. But when they moved, they originally moved to Tennessee, they were still the Tennessee Oilers yes. until they changed their name. Yes. And that would beg the question, is there oil in Tennessee? Well, this, could, they, could they have stayed the Oilers? Uh well, this is the thing. The Utah Jazz. There's no Jazz yeah, in Utah, right. Peter. They should that. They, see that they should have changed the name when they moved from New Orleans. They should have changed the name. There are no Cardinals in Arizona. Is there a lake in Los Angeles? There is none of that. What is it? Lakers. I don't even know. They There's no lakes Minnesota. in Los Angeles. Yeah, right. Yeah, the whole thing. None of it makes sense. You got teams that play in the East and West conferences. None of it makes sense. Are it's, there any Grizzly Bears in Memphis? Probably. Well, no, because they moved from Vancouver, so they were Grizzly Bears oh. in Vancouver. Yeah, see, the whole thing. It's, they, we need rules. We need <laughs> rules when things move and teams move and all this stuff. We need to have rules. Yeah, I can't wait to visit the Pro Football Hall of Fame and see the Lombardi Trophy and see the Baltimore Ravens names next yeah. to it, and I'll send you a picture of it. Like, wipe this off? Well, I don't. This it's not the Lombardi Trophy. Oh, because they won, so their yeah. name's on one. Yeah. Well, there's an area of the Hall of Fame that has all the Super Bowl champions. So I'll just send you a picture of that, and you could just, like, wipe it off on your... Fair enough. I would go to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. No interest in the baseball one, but the Pro Football one, I, I It's feel tremendous. Like, I feel, you've been? Oh, many times, yeah. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, see, that, that'd be interesting. And I was there years and years ago when it was, like, a small little building, and now it's huge. It's, you need, like, a few hours to go through it. Because uh, normally at the Super Bowl, in the Super Bowl city that we go to to do our broadcast, the door for the fan experience, they bring some items from the Pro Football Hall of Fame and display them. They're always cool looking. Yeah, and they, and they change the, the exhibits around a lot, especially every year. They have a new Hall of Fame class, so they have a whole exhibit about it. But they do a great job with that. It's beautiful. I'm going to go to the Pro Football. I'm going to make a road trip to Cleveland uh, and Ohio. I'm going to go to Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton. Then I'm going to go to a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Cleveland. I've been there, too. Have you been there? No. It's good. It's good. I. It's not – the funny thing about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, it's not It's not really a Hall of Fame. It's more of a museum than it is a Hall of Fame because, like, I was – that was the one disappointing thing. When I was there and I went to go – like, I'm a Billy Joel fan, so I wanted to see is there – is there like a plaque for Billy Joel? A bust of Billy like Joel. Where, like you go to the Pro Football Hall of Fame, you have the busts. You go to the Baseball Hall of Fame, there's the plaques. You go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and there's just like a listing on the wall of everybody by class. So like whatever year the person went in. 
there isn't really like an area dedicated to everybody that's in the Hall of Fame, and that was a little disappointing. But if you want to see Steven Tyler's jumpsuit, it's right. there. There's like no rhyme or reason for how they have the exhibits laid out. So it's like a Hard Rock Cafe, but it, in it one is place. a giant Hard Rock Cafe, but no hamburgers. No, you can get a hamburger. Oh, there. you can. They have, they have a whole big at the Rock and Roll Hall area. of Fame. Yeah, they have a food court area. Are they there. named after rockers? No, they just take a lot of your money and like the it's Bruce, not that good of a hamburger. Bruce Springsteen hamburger. <laughs> By the way, Bruce Springsteen played his second night in uh, out there on Long Island last yes. night. Yes, I wanted to go. The tickets were a little pricey. Yeah. It's the only place he's played uh, two nights. He played Sunday night and then last night. Yeah. Yeah, the tickets were a little pricey they because little I pricey. could have gotten them yeah. from a uh, source, mm-hmm. and I was uh, – it's not a price I would have paid to see Billy Joel, so I certainly wasn't paying it to see Bruce Springsteen. By the way, Billy Joel, Bruce Springsteen blows away Billy Joel. I would disagree As far with as on. what he puts into a show. Well – like Billy I Joel's think, going through the motions. Bruce Springsteen is feeling every song. Yeah, I don't think Billy can uh, run around the stage anymore. Well, you yeah. have to run around the stage. Just act like you like playing the songs you're playing. Just do that for me. I went to see him once at the Garden during this thing where he was. Yeah, you I know, went a few years ago. Yeah, it was all right. That's it. All right. Bruce Springsteen brought me to tears, like legitimately to tears. tears. Yes, I saw. My life up there on stage, I'm old, he's old, here are these songs we've been singing to each other for years and years yeah. and years. It meant something. How many times have you seen him in concert? I'm not one of these crazy people. I don't know, 15? I've seen Billy 19 times. Yeah, I might be in that ballpark. Yeah. Nothing crazy. These, yeah. these weirdos would be like, I saw Bruce Springsteen 250 times. <laughs> what? <laughs> Why? You know who approaches a huge number with uh, Bruce Springsteen concerts? Who? You've seen him here from time to time bringing goodies from the Red Bulls. Oh, yeah. Sammy Steinlight. Sammy Steinlight. Huge yep. Bruce Springsteen fan. Yes, he is. But I've seen Billy now 19 times. I would like to get to the round number of 20. Okay, that's fair. I'm going to pick a, a venue somewhere. Yeah. I'd like it to be different than the Garden. Yeah, I'm hoping he different. plays UBS at some point or maybe another place I can get to. I hear to make you. the number 20. I'm going to go see John Mellencamp in Indiana. I already, really? I already booked the trip. Why not? Well, that's Wait, an iconic place to go see him. Exactly. And that's another guy in his 70s. These old, you got to see the old guys while they're still around. Yeah. Mortality is faces us all, Peter. And I'm going to see James Taylor this 4th of July up in the Berkshires. Up in the, this is what I mean. That's it. Older guys going to see older guys. This is what life is. Now. <laughs> there really isn't. I don't think there's a show other than like people I grew up with, like Billy and like Bruce. Right. I don't know how if I'd go to see anybody else in concert. Oh, John Mellencamp. I'm well, telling you, Eddie's going to see James Taylor. My kids want to go see Ed Sheeran. Ed Sheeran. That guy's. This is Peter. <laughs> you must be older than seventy. If we are going to go see you, because we know you're on your way out. Ed Sheeran, you got years and years and years to see him. You got to see the guys who are in their 70s. You got to go see Roger Daltrey and Pete Townsend of The Who. You got to go see Mick Jagger. Hall and, and Oates. Uh, you got to go see Hall and Oates. Yeah. Right. These are the people. Pat Benatar. Well, I'm not sure about that one. Her and her husband, Neil Gerardo. Yeah. Gerardo. They tour together. Yes, they do. All right, anyway, Peter, uh, yes, the Yankees won, which was great. By the way, this is impressive. Aaron Judge singles is on base again. 44 straight games. Is this the same as Joe DiMaggio's 56-game hit streak, Peter? No, I, don't, no I, I, can't, I can't put it in that stratosphere Why? because cause it's a hit. It, it still takes a little bit more to get that hit every game and I not suppose. just watch four balls come over the plate. Right. But this was I, it's impressive because it tells you that he's got discipline at the plate. Right. It's impressive because he's always in the mix. There are games where no one gets on base. This guy's always figuring out a way to get on base, whether it draws a walk, a single, I'll take an error, a hit by batsman, a hit by pitch. But this is a nice single he had last night. And it just tells you that he's willing to do whatever he needs to do to help the team win. He's not going to go pressing to try and hit a home run. If the pitch is there, he'll... Hit it 500 feet. If not, he'll just get on base and let the next guy do the work. Exactly. Yeah. And what do you make of this? Now, this is a couple days old now, but I I just saw this on uh, Awful Announcing. 
I like to cite my sources. On Monday night during the Yankee broadcast, uh, I guess they showed a bat boy who is a long-haired bat boy with facial hair, by the way. A long-haired, facial-haired bat boy. And Michael Kay brought up a great point. Why does he get to have long hair if the players can't have long hair? That bat boy has been put on notice. That was in Cleveland? That was uh, in Cleveland. Or in Baltimore? Well, it was somewhere not at Yankee Stadium. So the home team supplies that person. Oh, I see. So when you go on the road, you don't bring your... You don't bring your bat boy. You don't bring your bat boy with well, that you. Seems unless unfair. I mean, maybe some teams might do it as a a token, maybe uh, you know, as a, as a gift if like, they hey, do a kid, good job. You want to come to Baltimore with us? But generally speaking, the bat boys don't travel, that so makes sense. Uh, that's probably an employee of the Baltimore Orioles. And why should he have to cut his hair and shave his face? Well, he's hair. not the Yankee. He's not. He's just wearing the Yankee uniform. Right. He's not wearing. He's not a Yankee employee. I got to tell you, if I'm one of these uh, other teams that the Yankees are coming to play this season. I get myself a long-haired bat boy in every city <laughs> just to annoy the Yankees because they don't allow long well, hair. I don't know if it's going to annoy, like, the actual players and the managers. Yeah. It might annoy Hal Steinbrenner. I am still waiting for a day because it's going to happen that the Yankees are desperately wanting a player and the fans are desperately wanting a player, and that player is going to have long hair and facial hair, and that player is going to say, oh, oh I'll come there. But I ain't cutting my hair. Mm-hmm. And at some point, the Yankees are going to bend. Oh, I think so. Right? Because it's it's not George anymore. You know, I don't right. think I don't think everything they do now is the same kind of business that they did when when George was the alive. George business. So I do think there'll be a moment where they'll try to, especially if it's a free agent. Yeah, that's what I mean. Free if agent. It, if it's a free agent, because if you trade for somebody and you can, you're under contract. The Yankees can basically tell you what to do, and if you don't, I, that would be another thing. Let's say they made a trade in the middle of the season; they needed somebody at the trading deadline, yeah. And that person's got long hair or long facial hair. hair, and he's like, "I'm not shaving it." Yeah, like what do you just like, do what, about what do the Yankees do? They'll they'll take the long hair and the facial hair. I know they will at some point but, in my lifetime, Peter. But that could be that could be a problem. I've never heard it be an issue before. No, but, I would make it. If I was that, if I if I was like a guy like let's say there was an Antonio Brown of baseball, that's who would do it. Somebody, <laughs> somebody's got to hold the Yankees to. This. I'm sorry, I'm not cutting my hair. But I mean, you make a good point, and, my, and uh, Michael K did not bring that up in the broadcast that uh, the other team supplies the uh, long-haired Bat Boys. By the way, Bat Boys that should be a job for Bat Boys, Bat Girls, children, not facial-haired men, <laughs> right, Peter? <laughs> My kids would love to be a bad boy. They would boy. love to, right. Would you love to be a bad boy? Probably I've not. Always, well, when I was younger, I always thought not, that that no, would I mean be a now. cool job to have. No, not now. How old a man are you? I am 55, almost oh, 56. Are. Good job. That's what I'm saying. Old guys seeing old guys. Let the young guys be young men and women be bad boys and bad girls. We'll spend our time seeing Billy Joel, John <laughs> Mellencamp, uh, uh, James Taylor and Bruce Springsteen. I just don't know if I could do that job effectively. Like if you said, if the Yankees came to me and said, "Hey, listen, you know, we yeah. know you're a huge Yankees fan, and we hear you on WFAN and things." Yeah, we'd love. How you. would you like to be a, a bat boy or a ball boy for a game? You love it. I would love it, but the problem is, I don't think I could do the job very well because I can't really move that quickly. Yeah, so you'd be like, you know, the ball goes down the line. I got to get up off that little. Oh my yeah. god, I got to get up off this stool. Now I got to go run to left field. I got to get the ball, and I got to have eighteen kids are going to want me to throw the ball into the stands. It becomes a problem. Here's the other thing you got to worry about now: pitch clock. Mm. Because I've yep. uh, read articles about bat boys and bat girls feeling that they're now under pressure to get the bat out, get the ball. You know what I mean? They got to move it along now that the pitch clock is. And that moving. pitch clock, I think, affects the fans a little bit now too. Because I went to the Met game with my family on Sunday. And I found myself now watching the pitch clock in between every pitch. Like oh. I feel like it's something you have to do now. You're locked in. So like I'm, I'm sitting next to my younger son. I'm like, hey, Jerry, he's only got like eight seconds left. <laughs> he's like, five seconds. Left. He gets the pitch. So I, it's now a part of the game for the fans because now you're keeping an eye on that pitch clock. But are you obsessing over it and not enjoying the game? No, that was the first, and that was the first game that I went to as a fan this year. That I, I just wanted to pay attention to it. I, I think that'll. 
dissipate as the season goes on, but it is something else now to look at. You go to a football game, you look at the play clock, you look at the uh, the gate, you know the the scoreboard clock. Yeah. You go to a, a hockey game, you're paying attention to the clock on the scoreboard. You want to see how many shots on goal, how much time is left in the power play. Those are things you're used to doing. Now you go to a baseball game. Now the pitch clock is part of it, and now Same as thing. a fan, you're keeping an eye on that because. Now you're going to say, oh, they got a pitch clock violation. Wait a minute. I saw him pitch the ball with one second to go. Why are they calling that? Something to look at now. Something else to keep an eye on. Mm-hmm. Peter, let's take a quick break here. And when we come back, we'll do a little Mets. Uh, we'll go around the MLB, a couple of interesting notes. I've got uh, a couple of NFL. I got an NFL note. Uh, let's call it media notes. So here's media what we notes. got. We got Mets we'll do next. We've got some media notes and around MLB coming up. And then at the top of the hour... Gio will be here with Mr. Jerry Recco at 6. Welcome back to the warm-up program. My name is Al Dukes. I'm with Peter Schwartz today. Hi, Peter. Hello, Al. Um, I saw that Rick Wolf passed away. Yes, very sad. Oh, very long-time WFAN weekend host. Uh, I, I was reading that the Sports Edge started in 1998. That's a long time ago. It's one of the iconic shows on the station for a long time. And um, I, I knew Rick for a long time. So oh, you did? deepest condolences. I you know, was fortunate to you know, sometimes do updates on that show. And uh, I, I had a, a much different appreciation for that program once my kids started playing sports. And it's just, it was a wonderful resource for so many people um, to listen to on a Sunday morning. He tackled issues that nobody else tackles in the market. So um, it was it was definitely a program that was needed, is needed. Um, and he did a wonderful job delving into all the issues around youth sports, and obviously his father was, you know, an iconic sportscaster as well. So uh, it's a huge loss. He was a very, you know, kind man, generous man, and huge loss. Jerry, said, Jerry said he heard him, I think, this past Sunday. Yeah, apparently, you know, the, the family released a statement. It was a very quick, you know, battle with, with brain cancer. So I didn't even know he was ill. Yeah. So that announcement came as kind of a surprise yesterday. Yes, I was so. surprised. I got an email from Spike he sent mm-hmm. around uh, yeah. about the passing. I was like, oh. Because uh, like Jerry said, he was just on the air. It's not like he had been off the air for a long time. And yeah. then I didn't hear. I didn't hear this past Sunday. I did hear the one, you know, I usually will catch it in its entirety on Sunday mornings. I didn't hear it this past week. But, um, and you know, and he, he wasn't afraid to really dive into issues that are very, very important if you're involved with youth sports. And he's, I, I mean, it's very hard to put it into words how much he meant. It was very, 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 very informative. And I think it was just a great resource to be able to have him on the radio every Sunday morning. Well, rest in peace, Mr. Rick Wolf. Let's talk about the Mets Padres game, Peter. Now, the Mets, what are we doing here? The Mets <laughs> lost to 4 to 2. I had to tell you, they had a number of opportunities to get something going here. Especially right? in that ninth inning. Yeah. That for, well, very for the very first inning, bases loaded, nobody out. Here comes Mr. Pete Alonzo, the polar bear you might know him as. Mm-hmm. Strikeout. Canna, double play, good night. Zero runs in the first inning after having the bases loaded, nobody out. That's always a bad sign. It is a bad sign, and obviously Francisco Alvarez had a big strikeout in the ninth inning as well. But wait, at- he had t- two opportunities and struck out two different times. He had uh, men aboard and did nothing. But you have to – it's tough because you lose the game. Yeah. But just like the Yankees are going through with Volpe, I mean, this is just lumps you have to take. Yeah, eventually you have to those, get eventually, lumps. Eventually, you're going to, you know, Alvarez, the Alvarez's and the Volpe's of the world are going to yeah. get hits in big spots. But that's – it's just – you know, it's a tough game last night. And David Peterson pitched well enough to win. He was you know, moving the ball around pretty good last night and only gave up the two runs and struck out six. So it's just one of those nights where the offense didn't do their job. They didn't come up big in certain circumstances, and they'll try it again today. And how about Francisco Lindor in the eighth inning? He had two men on, right? And he hits what I think is a home run, but just foul, (laughs) which would have given him the lead, and then he strikes out. Strike. Good night. A long strike and then a strikeout. Yeah, so that stunk. Now, 
uh, both the Mets and the Yankees have day games today. One yeah, o'clockers. Exactly the same time. One o'clockers, uh, Peter. We got Blake Snell from the Padres. I don't care for him. <laughs> He's got a sourpuss face. Like, even when you go to the MLB app or you, and you go to, like, probable pitchers, he just looks like a punk. It wasn't he... He was he the pitcher when they when they came back, right? The first year of the uh, they played baseball during the pandemic. And yeah. I guess that was so that was like you know the, the in the summer of twenty. Okay. He was he was the guy who who just like wasn't he mocking? Like I, I'm I, if I something about Rona. They, no, they, I think they, that's they, another guy. I don't want to get no Rona. Was that Blake Snell? Eddie? I thought that was Blake oh, Snell. Was. No, I, I'm not splitting no revenue. I is. want all mine. It's. I just. I remember him having just like a. You know, so like he a, was the Rona guy. He was the Rona guy. Yeah. Like I, no I, wonder I, why I, I'm trying like a to remember puss. the context of it's what it's getting taxed. So all that money's gone. That's Boomer doing. Uh, <laughs> Boomer at that time did a oral interpretation of Blake Snell. Yeah. Uh, and his problems with the quote unquote Rona. Bro, y'all going to be like, bro, Blake, play for the love of the game, man. What's wrong with you, bro? Money should not be a thing. <laughs> Yeah, see that? It wasn't about the corona. He didn't dispute the coronavirus. He was saying that he was risking his life, and that's why. Remember the money dispute, obviously. Was yes, the, uh, yeah. Bro, oh, right, right. I'm risking my life. Bro, I love this boomer doing oral interpretations of things. I like this as a new bit. <laughs> Here's boomer being Blake Snell. No wonder why he's got that. Maybe MLB made him a, maybe they grabbed that photo where he's got a big sourpuss and made that his profile picture for all their uh, probable pitcher starting uh, pitcher graphics, and now he looks like a punk. Anyway, yeah, I, he'll I, face Tyler McGill. Yeah, he, de- he he definitely has that punk kind of he does, right? feel to him, yeah. Oh, we better smack him around the ballpark today. Peter? I would say yes. Yes, Thank absolutely. You. I didn't know you were yeah, asking just like, me a question. No, no, it wasn't really a question. <laughs> just like, the guy's a punk. Uh, by the Smack way, him around. Uh, Darren Ruff, he uh, had a I saw that. rough time here with the Mets. He had talked to The Athletic, which, uh, you know, I don't read The Athletic because you have to pay for it. Yeah. I just like when another um, outlet just tells me what the article said, which is what happened here. Right. Uh, he talked to The Athletic about his time with the Mets, and this was his quote. Let me see what you think of what he says here. This is Darren Ruff on his time here in New York. Quote, I think the media there really runs on what fans' perceptions are. So you're kind of getting crushed by two entities. Even if you're not on social media a heck of a lot, you still have an idea and you see things. Is he talking about your social media posts, Peter? (laughs) I don't know if he's talking about mine. You know, I can't stand it when guys come to New York Mm -hmm. and they fall on their faces like he did like he did and then they leave and then they rip new york after yeah. they've left and i listen i i i get it there's more media here than other places i've been part of those media scrums for the mets and the yankees and all the teams i i've, I've done that i get it there's more like you're standing there you know if you if you're a player on the kansas city royals and you've basically got two newspaper writers and maybe two electronic people in front of you, if that many, but you come to New York and you've got, you know, a gazillion people in front of your locker after a game. I get it. There's more people. But I don't think a media member listens to what the fans have to say for them to be able to do their job. I, I don't think that's the case. I think if if you're if you're a reporter and you have to listen to what the fans are saying on Twitter for you to do your job and you should be doing something else for a living so I, I don't get the whole, like, well, you come to New York and, you know, it's it's so much different. It's only different in terms of the number of people that are covering you. It's not Correct. different. If you're if you're trained to be a reporter and you go to journal, school for journalism and you're covering a team, like, what the fans have to think should not play a role in what your line of questioning is but, after a game. But pretty much if you stink when you're here, the fans and the reporters are going to think the same thing. Right. You stink. Well, I think. Thank you. You, know, you don't want sometimes sometimes media members will will I don't think they give the fans what they want to hear, but I think when it's blatantly obvious, like you just said, yeah, like there's no way of getting if you if you were in a one for twenty one slump, you got to put that in the newspaper. You got to say that on on the updates. You got to 
You got to talk about it on the shows. There's no getting away from it. You can't escape it. You can't just give – if a guy is one, tw- one for 21, you can't tell the fans, oh, he got some really good cuts in last night. Like, that doesn't work. Like, people in New York are not stupid. Yeah, we're not they're not stupid. Gonna, they're not going to fall for that nonsense that you might have in other, other markets. Like, I can't I, – it so ticks me off when these guys come here, can't handle it, and then they go off to somewhere else, and then they bash New York on the way out the door. Good point, Peter. Standing up for New York, I like it. By the way, did you see Shohei Otani uh, had another tremendous start last night? I he was is watching. Else. I was watching some of his pitches; are unbelievable. He's got. He's had three starts to start the season. And by the way, he played in that World Baseball Classic where everyone's like, "Oh, it's going to ruin the players." And yeah, <laughs> he's given up one run in three games. He almost had his head taken off though yesterday uh, in the dugout. From a foul ball. We got to watch out. Here's what I would do, because I know the Mets want to get this Otani fella. You get Otani here. You got to, in between innings, that guy's got to go down and hide in the uh, in the locker room. I don't need him getting line drives in the uh, dugout, getting his head. Or just have somebody, head. or you hire somebody to stand in front of him. That I would do as well. You get somebody with all, you know, big shield and everything like that. A couple of just... big guys stand around Otani so he doesn't get injured. But he's uh, he's he is a dominating right now. I didn't have a problem with the World Baseball Classic, by the way. You did not. I did not. No. Well, I'd like to introduce you to Sal Licata. He was not a fan. <laughs> and uh, one other interesting baseball note, Peter. Uh, someone on the Marlins hit for the cycle last night. Luis Arias. Yes, that's pretty cool. That to me is a, a tremendous feat. I'm more. I'm going to say hitting for the cycle better than throwing a no hitter. A perfect game is the tops. Mm-hmm. But if you're throwing a no-hitter, you're walking dudes. Right, right. Hitting for the cycle, very impressive. It's very hard because you have to have you have to have a combination of power. Yes. You have to be able to, you know, hit. I think you have to be able to hit to different parts of the field. Got to better and, hit one of those balls in the corner. And unless you are, unless you get a a bad bounce off. The wall, you have to have some speed to get the triple. Because to me, the triple could be the hardest one of the four to get. That's why you got to get the triple first. Then you go, okay. Because he ended up, he needed the single at, uh, in his last at bat, which is perfect. But the, but you agree the triple is the hardest oh, yeah. one to get. Triple is the hardest one to get by far. You got to hit that ball in the corner. It's got to get a weird bounce like a pinball machine. And you got to have speed to get the third base. I remember. Third base. I remember watching a Met game in the 80s. Gary Carter had. He had a triple, mm-hmm. he had a single, and he had a home run at Wrigley Field. And he came up in the last at bat. He needed a double to get the cycle. Yeah. And he hit one off the wall, but he was he hit it so hard that he got thrown out at second base oh. trying to stretch the single into the double. Gary Carter was my favorite. My favorite Met, and I never met him. I met love him meeting times. the eighty six Mets. I talked to him on the phone one time. He did not have a great experience with Boomer and uh, Carton. No. Because I think Craig was you know, Sometimes this is why we like to do our interviews in person. Sometimes on the phone, you can't see Craig smiling and having a good time, right? And it comes off weird. And Gary was a uh, bit of a stiff, mm. right? Loved him, <laughs> but it was a bit of a stiff. That was an awkward interview. We never had him in person, unfortunately. Have you ever him. met Wally Backman? Um, no, I don't think I did meet Wally. Come out Backman. to a Long Island Ducks game. He's the well, manager of the that Ducks. Seems a far, far ways away. <laughs> Let's take a quick break here, Peter. Uh, I've got uh, next. I got. Uh, we're gonna go around. Uh, I've got some media notes, some interesting things. Uh, then I got a couple more baseball notes, and then uh, Geo and Jerry will be here right at six o'clock. So stay tuned. Come on now, Uptown Jerks. Welcome back to the warm-up program. My name is Al Dukes. Uh, Jerry is hosting, uh, filling in for Boomer today, so he will be with Gio. Uh, CeeLo is uh, sleeping, I think, in the newsroom somewhere. So Peter Schwartz, <laughs> Peter Schwartz is joining me. Under a desk somewhere? He's under a desk somewhere. He's just uh, getting a little bit of rest. Uh, let's do a couple of uh, quick um, media-related sure. notes. Uh, have you watched Vice TV's Dark Side of the Ring at all? I have not. Are you a wrestling guy? I am a wrestling. Well, I, I don't follow as closely as I used to Old years ago. Wrestling. I catch up on the current stuff just yeah. by watching YouTube. Like, I don't watch yeah. Raw and SmackDown in its entirety. I'll watch the clips. But did you watch, like, in the 1980s? Oh, sure. You were yeah. all on board. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, this Vice uh, TV show, Dark Side of the Ring, is really interesting. They pick, like, uh, one topic, and it's documentary style, and uh, for each episode, they pick one topic mm-hmm. and, like, really go in-depth. One of the ones coming up this season, which starts in May, there's one on Abdullah the Butcher. Do you remember oh, him? I do remember him. The Madman from Sudan. This guy would always bring a foreign object in, into the ring and really work your forehead. <laughs> Didn't seem fair. Well, if the referee doesn't see it, it's legal. I guess so. I've I mean, been watching a lot of these A&E um, documentaries on Sunday nights. Yeah, about the biographies the old on WWE them. stuff. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's those have been fantastic, Yeah, really too. tremendous. They do a great job with the wrestling documentaries. I am all in for any... I'm in for any wrestling documentary, even if it's a guy I'd have, I didn't even know about. They haven't done one yet. And I don't know if they have to get permission from them, but I, as I recall, that they have not done one on Hulk Hogan yet. Yeah, my guess is with any, with all of these, they have to get. I'm sure there's a million different papers that have to get signed. Yeah, which is interesting. They just did one a couple of weeks ago on Paige, the female wrestler, yeah. who is now under a different name in AEW. Yeah, and they still went ahead. They shot it before she had signed. I guess with AEW. And they went ahead and showed it a couple of weeks ago, which I thought was kind of interesting. But they've they've done a fantastic job. And then they have the other show where they look at the rivalries. Like they have like phenomenal. Yeah. It's always funny to me to see ESPN covering wrestling now. Because when I was a kid, I couldn't find any like legitimate newspaper, magazine, uh, Thing on TV that was covering wrestling other mm-hmm. than wrestling magazines and right. wrestling TV shows. And now it's just so weird to like if there's a, a big wrestling event that I go to the ESPN website to see what's going on in sports and it's like dominating all the headlines. Like this is a wrestling here? Yeah, they, they do it. They have they had, I think they had a reporter at WrestleMania yeah. uh, last week or Strange. two weeks ago. And I see a lot of wrestling articles in the post. They yeah. seem to spend a lot of time covering yeah. it as well. Yes, so it's finally breaking through. All this hard, all this, uh, what I would have loved as a kid to see, they're finally doing it. I gave the result of the main event on my uh, on my update. Oh, um, you did? Uh, last Sunday night. See? Yeah. You're involved too. <laughs> Let me know if you're interested in this, Peter. Brittany Griner yes. is working on a memoir. That's a book. Uh, that is scheduled uh, for release next year at this time. It'll, of course, detail her troubles in Russia. Are you a book reader, Peter? I am not a huge book reader. Me neither. Um, I actually had a few recent books have are sitting on my desk at home, and there's a couple of them I would like to read. So you want to be a book reader. I want, just, just don't have the time. Like, well, who has the time to sit down and read a book? We have the time. It's just, It's boring. That's the problem. Reading a book is boring. Eddie listens to books on tape. I'm not interested in this. I'd be interested if she were going to be a guest on a long-form podcast. Mm-hmm. I'll give that a, an hour or so if it's the Joe Rogan show, six hours. But to sit down and read a book, not interested. The the book that is on top of my pile yeah. that I absolutely will read, I just need a little bit of time. Um, Billy Joel's longtime sax player, Mark Rivera, just wrote a book. You read his book by the sax player yes, Billy Joel. Absolutely. Well, he's got a tremendous career. He's been in, you know, with other groups. He works at Ringo Starr and he went from Foreigner to Billy Joel, so he's had an interesting long career in just, music. Can he just be a guest on a podcast? That I uh, that I'd listen to. I wrote it. I did a story about him, but I want to oh, read the did? book. I want to read the book. Okay. I don't know. The sax player for the Billy Joel band. I don't even, don't even know his name. Mark Rivera. Yeah, Come on. Suppose you just mentioned that. Mm-hmm. All right. I don't know. I'm not reading. Here's when I knew I wasn't going to be a book reader. Uh, In school? Well, definitely <laughs> school. Well, I didn't have the skills back then. But remember when uh, during Hurricane Sandy and we a lot of people lost power for a long time? Yes. I think I lost power for a week in Basking Ridge. Um, I didn't read. I wasn't even reading the books then that were sitting there. I just stared in the outer space. And listen to 1010 wins on the transistor radio. That's when I knew. I was like, why are these books even in my home? I'm not going to read them. I have no TV, no real entertainment. My phone barely is working, and I'm still not reading these books. So what did you do to occupy yourself? I just stared in the outer space and That's listened it. to 1010 wins. I wanted to make sure the Armageddon wasn't happening. Are and you, you remember right after Sandy, we had that big snowstorm, too. We had we Sandy. Did? We were recovering from it. 
Ooh. And there was a big, giant snowstorm. Is that right? Yeah, because I remember driving out to cover the Jets in Florham Park. Yeah. And I drove home in it. Boy, the weather gods were not looking kindly upon our area back no, then in no. 2012. Uh, Sunday Ticket was announced yesterday. They gave a price for it. It's going to be on uh, YouTube TV now. Yeah, I saw that. It's very pricey. I don't know who's paying for this. I'd rather just watch the uh, Red Zone channel. You know what I mean? Like, I, well, who's paying for the? And there's so many good games on Sunday at one, Sunday at four, Thursday night football, Monday night football, Sunday night football. The real this is really for a hardcore, say, Steeler fan living in right Minnesota. That's the only reason yeah. to me. If uh, if you're if you're living in New York, but you don't root for the Jets and Giants, you get the Sunday tickets. You can watch your team. Well, you you know how about this? How about you get up and go to a sports bar? You could do that and go watch it. I always found it I very... would never get the Sunday ticket because no, this the... is above your price grade. Well, it's not even the price grade. I just like I want to sit down and watch the Jets at one o'clock. Well, that's and what I mean. It... If you, but if you were like living in Pittsburgh, you might need this if you want to I would sit have down to, and watch the Jets. I would have Jets. no choice. But I'm like, as someone who lives in New York, like it's not something that would interest me because I want to watch the Jets at You're one here. o'clock, and yeah. then if I'm not doing anything after that, I'll watch the Giants at four o'clock. Or then whatever game they may offer And then I'm going to work Sunday night. So I watch the NBC game on Sunday night. Yeah. The one cool thing they said that it will have on YouTube is multi-view. So you can watch four games at one time. See, that would... That would drive me nuts. I can't do that. Well, that's the problem with sports bars. You go to a sports bar, it's it's very hard. I try to focus... If I do watch a game at a restaurant, I ask for a a table with the view of one one giant screen... Because I had the Red Zone channel for a short period of time, and I literally got a headache watching it. Yeah, it's like, a lot just, going on. I can't watch. Like, you're showing me one play here. I need to sit down and watch a game. I'm watching the Jet game. I'm watching the Giant game. I watch the National game. The problem That's with, all I care about. Here's the way where the Red Zone is much better than actual game. The amount of commercials the games run is insane. And I don't even change it up. I got to see the same Exact commercial <laughs> over and and you go to a sports bar, all the TVs are running the same commercials. It's like maddening. It seems, it seems that the break, the TV breaks are longer when you're at the game. If you're at a game, yeah, it seems to me. But if you're right. home, I find sometimes watching the game at home, I barely have enough time to. All right, they go to commercial, go to the bathroom or go grab a drink or, or something and get back in time for them to come back from the commercial. At the game, it just seems like it's like this never-ending timeout that yeah. just takes a lot longer it's than watching much. at home. That's the one good thing about Red Zone. It's bang, bang, bang. You do have to pay attention, though, or you'll be like, what is going nah, on here? A, I have a headache. Quick break here, Peter. Uh, we got back. I've saved one more quality story. And then uh, Gio and Jerry will be here at 6. But first, a uh, Odyssey Sports Minute. Jr. Oh, he's talking about the NFL Sunday ticket. How about that? It's the dynamic duo of Al and Jerry, the superheroes of WFAN. Welcome back. A few more minutes here with Mr. Peter Schwartz before Gio and Jerry come on. Uh, I don't know if you watch the Stranger Things uh, show on Netflix. I do not. Uh, there's a woman on there, a young woman named Millie Bobby Brown. She's only 19 years old. Uh, she got engaged to Bon Jovi's son. One of Bon Jovi's son. His name is uh, Jake. Jake Bon Jovi. Jake Bon Jovi. Well, they call they spell it Bon Jovi. That's like his real name, Bon Jovi. Right, right, right. But uh, people are upset on the internet because uh, he's 20 and she's 19. They're like too young to fall in love and get married. When well, were you married, Peter? Oh, we were a little bit older. We were in our mid-30s. Mid-30s? Good job by you. You were just crushing it with the ladies, and well, you were like, I ain't settling down. We went to high school together, oh, but then did? we didn't meet again until like 17 years after graduation. Is that right? Yeah. At the reunion, you guys met and We did meet love. at the reunion, and then seven years after the reunion, we ran into each other at a Mets game. Wow. No wonder you go to all these games and together. Yada, with each yada, other. yada. Yeah. Two kids later. Look at that. And a house. I mean, who has it better than Jake Bon Jovi? His dad <laughs> is John Bon Jovi. He's going to uh, marry Millie Bobby Brown, beautiful young uh, actress. He's an actor himself. He claims to be, although I've never seen him in, every, in anything. 
Man, I wish my father was a rock and roll star. I think they're a little too young to get married, though. Yeah, 1920. They should make this a long engagement. Yeah, make it a long engagement. But uh, listen, Peter, when you know, you know. and It's old school. Do they really know? They know. Listen, my parents were very young. They're still together. Been married 59 years. It happens sometimes. Uh, but it seems like in this day and age, people tend to wait much longer to get married. Yeah, why are you in a hurry? I'm not in a Peter. I'm 55. I'm still. Or I'm 50. Yeah. How old am I? 53, 54? I'm, uh, I'm 53. <laughs> 53. I'll be 54 very shortly. And uh, listen, I'm not even married yet, Peter. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta live first. Live, damn it. Yes, Derek Come Jeter in. lived. He did. He did it right. He did it perfect, actually. Yeah. Derek Jeter, shortstop for the Yankees. Date your face off. Then when you retire, hey, how about I get married now? Get married, have a nice family. Get married and have kids. Uh, by the way. Uh, Blake Snell, Tyler McGill for the Mets, uh, Padres at 110. Yankees. WFAN, WFAN FM, WFAN FM HD1, New York. Always live on the free Odyssey app.